0: Are Live. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the CVO Live. It's my pleasure and honor to have here one of the veterans in the CRO space, Jeremy Epperson. Hi Jeremy, how's it going man? Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm super excited for this.
0: Sa- same here. So uh, let me switch my camera so that I can uh, look, at, uh, look at you all. So today we're going to touch a lot of subjects about the internal silos in the big companies, about how the digital agencies should behave themselves so that they can bring more value to their customers. We're going to also touch about the topic of moving, shifting from vanity metrics to what really matters in e-commerce and retail, so stick around to see what's going on. So, Jeremy, why don't you tell us all how you've got into the optimization phase at the very beginning. Tell us uh, your story in this uh, arena.
1: Oh yeah that's that's a wild one. I'll, I'll give you like the high level version of it so um, i've been I've been doing this for 15 years the uh, my first uh, my first kind of step in the business world was actually creating my own startup when I was uh, 21 years old. Um, I thought I knew everything <laughs> uh, we, we grew the business and scaled it super quickly over two years and in 2008 when the uh, the great Recession hit, it just wiped us out and I was super curious about, what are the things that we could have done differently from a marketing perspective, from a product perspective, from like how we built our team. So it just set me down this path of wanting to understand how to scale startups. And that's kind of where it started. So, you know, over the years it went from like the, you know, the initial paid search that we were doing to building websites and the analytics. And we just kept putting layer on top of layer on top of layer until we got to what I think is most important, which is like, Market research, customer research, business intelligence—like actually getting a three hundred and sixty-degree understanding of customers—and then one of the things that we talk about all the time is thinking holistically about the customer journey, which obviously we're going to talk about a lot today. So,
0: excellent. I also know that uh, you you've gathered a lot of uh, A players in your uh, in your team, but we will touch on this subject uh, further down the the line because. Uh, I, after all these years in this arena, I also see that uh, uh, any kind of process or tools or whatever are, are, are completely useless if you don't have the right uh, the right drivers, right? Don't yeah, have absolutely. The right <laughs> all right. So uh, the first uh, the first uh, topic that I wanna uh, address right now is how you are seeing the. Uh, companies evolving leveling up because we we are all seeing what's going on we're seeing a lot of uh, competition happening we're seeing uh, a lot of uh, business leaders uh, doing all, all sorts of things but i want to i want to hear your opinion about how do you think the companies, do you think they are, they are ready to migrate to data-driven decision-making? Because at the end of the day, all that we are, going, we are, we are touching here is about improving, growing, optimizing, which has a lot to do with the making better decisions. Leaders have to do better decisions, and in order to do so, they need to change their mentalities. How you are you seeing this, uh, the landscape at this moment, Jeremy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I think it's super timely and relevant and important. Um, Let me give you the backstory really quickly. So um, I've built cross-functional growth teams for 185 different growth stage startups. Like what we've done is we've like observed their behavior, gathered insights, um, we've databased all the information and there's a discrete amount of roadblocks that exist. One of the biggest roadblocks that slows growth is business silos and agency silos. And it's really fascinating to see like how much the miscommunication, the lack of workflow, the lack of sharing insights about the customer journey, those things just impede a a company's ability to grow. So there's kind of the, we break it into two different things. There's internal business silos, which is product team doesn't cost talk to customer success or sales marketing. They're not sharing information. They're not sharing insights about what we're trying to do from from a market customer perspective. So like um, business is running in, you know, 20 different directions at the same time. The second part of that is like the agency silo. So agencies are specifically hired to do one thing. They myopically focus on only paid search, only SEO, only content creation, and they're not incentivized or paid or expected to think more holistically about the customer journey. Therefore, everybody is, existing in a silo, they're not sharing insights, they're not sharing what performs better, they're not sharing any research or results. So what ends up happening is we get this super, and then we talk about this all the time, right, Valentin? We get this super fragmented customer journey that doesn't really make sense from a customer perspective because so many different people are controlling different parts of that customer journey and they're not talking to each other. So the customer loses, the business loses, basically everyone loses because there's no hub of insights there's no individual like team or cross functional growth team that's helping like pull all those pieces together
0: yeah one uh, one aspect which i think it's uh, definitely definitely important to touch jeremy is that this is not happening recently it's happening for i don't know maybe two decades since the e-commerce has been launched since we have retailers uh, handling people omni-channel and we are frustrated as uh, consumers as well. It's like we have, no, you can't buy this here because uh, it's only on the online uh, uh, promotion or whatever, all, all those fragmented ways. And uh, I think the, the, the main problem is that companies are not having a consciously crafted journey themselves towards how yeah. to get from just, gathering data and coming up with all, all sorts of uh, schizoid uh, initiatives like let's do that let's do the other and uh, if the company journey is broken then the customer journey is broken as well but uh, eventually th- those things are, uh, are, are will will stop because i think we are all seeing that the the struggle is the best teacher you know we have this uh, uh, we have this saying here in, uh, in Romania that uh, pain will be your 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 greatest teacher. And uh, I think companies are struggling right now, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think um, our particular approach, so if, if one of the biggest issues for accelerating your growth rate is the silos that exist in a the business, then like how do we solve the silos? And... We've tried dozens of different things. I mean, we've worked with so many, like hundreds of businesses that we've experimented with different approaches. And like, is this an organizational thing? Is it getting people in the same room? What we've found to be the best catalyst for breaking down silos is marketing customer research. That sounds like a probably super surprising answer to anybody who's listening to this right now. But the reason is when we think about market positioning, when we think about like differentiation, when we think about like, how we're approaching our interactions with customers. That by its nature is cross functional. So it's a catalyst for being able to pull people from different, um, different functions of the business, pulling in like different agency, like account directors from different agencies, getting everybody in the same room and focusing on like, what are we actually trying to accomplish here? So if, if that's customer journey mapping and we're trying to look at the discrete phases of the customer journey, you know, everything from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Um, it can be really helpful to get uh, get these research insights from a customer's perspective. We're thinking about everything as marketers. We're thinking about things like, you know how do we improve our business, how do we improve our products? How do we improve our marketing? Customers don't care about that at all. They want to buy a product, right? Like they're trying to get a specific product that fits their specific needs. So when we flip the script and we take this research focused approach, And what it does is it like starts to break down myths and misconceptions. It starts to break down, um, you know, the brainstorming aspect of things. Instead of brainstorming, let's go straight to customers. Let's survey customers. Let's interview customers. Um, You know, right before this, we were talking about how like part of our new service offering at Conversion Advocates is I interviewed 17 CMOs for an hour apiece. And I asked them, like, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? Like what services would help you? What are your gaps and skills on your team? And we got a, a deep understanding of that over you know two months. And then we built a whole service that fills all of those needs that they have. You know, whether you're in e-commerce, whether you're in B2B, whether you're in lead gen, that helps you get really focused on what you should be doing to serve customers. And then everyone can rally around that, whether they're an agency or any internal functions um, in the business. And it's just like, kickstarts this momentum that exists um and it, it really helps break down those silos
0: yeah one uh, w- one interesting aspect about uh, about getting to, I don't know, to to, to make uh, the, the silos disappear is uh, the, the the power of data. So in, in, in my experience, I, I'm getting in touch with a lot of uh, leadership teams from uh, big and mid-sized retailers mostly in the last uh, time. And uh, I can see that the chief data officer is one of the m- most powerful uh, people within the organization, if it's the right person over there, because... Data can have this ability to transform the destiny of an organization, you know. And if you gather data, if you have the hygiene set properly, and if you have a north star metric that it's uh, that it's helping everyone to see if you are making progress, then the leaders will get it. Now, the problem that I'm seeing adopting a, a customer lifetime value as the north star metric in uh, in retail is that uh, people are not uh, getting how to optimize it so i want to get a bit to, to 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 shift gears a bit towards how do you think the the, the leaders can adopt customer lifetime value as a north star metric because we all know that uh, this is uh, eventually everything, right? You need, you need a metric that's helping also the customers. And it's clear that if customers are coming and buying over and over again, they, they get value from you. And you will also get value. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's something very, very easy to understand. However, a concept so easy to understand is not adopted by companies. And they are still using, from my perspective, shallow metrics and uh, lag indicators such as revenue or margin. Uh, gross margin as a as a total uh, as a north star metric what what's your opinion on this journey
1: yeah it's a good question so um there's two kind of like different answers that i have to this one is um when i you know i talk to like hundreds of people in the industry the first question i always ask is what are your 12 month growth goals if i don't get a clear precise answer within 10 seconds then they're struggling right so Everything is going to be based on like those 12 month growth goals. Like what is the goal that you're backing into that you're trying to accomplish over the next year? Because to your point with your question, what's going to, what we're going to break down from that is what are our primary KPIs? So we're building 90 day growth plans where we're looking at just a couple KPIs that we're optimizing for. So usually more than two, it gets challenging, right? And and in any given time, we can't solve everything at the same time. It's just not possible. We don't have enough resources and time and traffic to test against all these things. Right. So we have to have some level of focus to be able to get traction in a 90 day window. And that's what we're trying to do. Right. So it may be launching new channels. It could be new research methods. It could be hitting a certain certain testing velocity across the customer journey. All of those things are super important. But if we scatter things everywhere, we're not really going to get any like any solid insights. We're not gonna be able to iterate on the things we're doing. We're not gonna get the same level of traction. So, you know, one of the things that I see is, is a mistake and you're bringing this up from a CVO perspective is if we only myopically focus for a whole year on just customer acquisition and we don't think about the other aspects of the customer journey, then with, you know, without the data to support where we have the most upside potential, then we're not pulling all the levers that we could be pulling, right? So. Do we have an acquisition problem? Do we have a retention problem? Do we have an on-site user experience and usability problem? Do we need to um, find new channels that we can scale profitably? Um, All those parts are interconnected, right? So I I agree. The, The North Star has to be Um, optimizing the entire customer journey and then the data from like a, you know, from a business intelligence or, you know, quantitative, um, you know, kind of data analyst perspective, we need to go look across that whole customer journey and isolate what are the biggest upside opportunities. And then we need to focus there in that 90 day window, get traction against that increase, you know, like conversions of performance in that phase of the customer journey, and then we reassess each quarter, and we have another focus that we're getting aligned on across all the stakeholder teams.
0: Yeah, I have uh, uh, I have something uh, to 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 address here regarding the uh, regarding how the uh, retail leaders should be acting should be behaving and I, I think this analogy is very very useful because you were, you were talking about the scattered uh components right so when you look at too many things and you 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 can't find what's what's going on with the re, within a retail so if you're a retail leader and you're listening to this picture this one of the most important tools that a, a, a lion tamer has is not the his gun is not his whip it, it's like a small four-leg chair, you know, and when he's trying to tame the lion, he's not using that. He's using the, the, the chair. He's putting like this in front of the lion and then the lion is looking all over and he eventually goes down. So that's what's going on with companies as well, because they look at too many things at those 120 reports with all the metrics and all those things. But if you give something really simple, like customer lifetime value to everyone, and if you see how it is by Let's say you are a retailer and you have multiple shops, multiple stores, you can see your customer lifetime value against the other stores, how do you stand? Then you see the CLV by the category, by the channel, by the region and so on. So that's very, very simple to understand. The net profit that we are getting down the line from a customer, which is coming from this channel, is $280, then that's it. And if this is going up or down, that means the entire organization is doing their job. And I think customer lifetime value, again, is the KPI of the CEO. You can't blame the marketing for not doing their job. You're not, you can't blame the customer experience, the fulfillment, if the customer lifetime value goes down. But you can look at their impact if you measure what matters.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I think this is top of mind for a lot of people in the industry right now, um, you know, Most businesses, the vast majority of businesses are are not on paid analytics platforms. There's a lot of really cool ones that exist that we work with a lot. Um, But the whole migration to like GA4, like we've helped 14 companies that are clients of ours migrate to GA4. And it's such an, everybody was scared of it for whatever reason, but um, it's such an excellent time to reassess what are we trying to measure? And, and what's the strategy behind what we're trying to measure? Because like, like you're kind of implying, you know, I, I wanna dig into one of the concepts you brought up is, you know, we can make really fancy dashboards. We can, we can track a hundred different things, but tracking something has no inherent value. Yes, collecting clean data is important. Managing data effectively is important. Um, a lot of people screw that up. But when you nail that part, then there's a third step that you have to take, which is how do we activate data? How do we activate data by optimizing the customer journey? So that's the part where if you can get past the clean data part, then there's still this huge gap in like skills, strategic thinking, capabilities, um, you know, team members that have an ability to actually activate data. So you know, we're, going, we're going through this process right now with all of our clients. And we're thinking, like, at the fifty thousand foot view, like, what are we trying to accomplish? What do we want to understand about customers? Like, how are we going to get insights based on segments? Um, what are the, what are, you know, some of the KPIs, macro and micro conversions that are actually going to matter for us? So, you know, I highly encourage businesses to kind of reevaluate that. And typically, when we're going into like consulting engagements um, with growth state businesses, we're challenging all of those things. We're forcing them to rethink through that. Um, You know, it's not about fancy dashboards. It's about how do we get the exact um, insights that we need that can be activated. And and that's super important. Like that in and of itself, just changing that from a process perspective is automatically going to unlock growth.
0: Uh, one, one, uh, one way to do this, uh, let's say, uh, refresh, you know, the one, one way to refresh the way you are, you are looking at the data is through, through, through pain. And I've seen, I've seen this happening uh, multiple times in, in our approach. You know, we are, we are trying to open the eyes. We are trying to wake up the, the, the retail leaders uh, at, at being customer-centric and not in the sense of, yeah, we care about our customers. Like, if you don't know your NPS. If you don't know the CLV, then you can't care about your customers because at the end of the day, it's how much value you, you, you bring into their lives. And uh, one way to, to make them say, what, is when we show things like, you know what, this week, you've just lost 21,000 customers. You know They are not going to come back. Statistically, the, the chances for them to come back are less than 5%. So we consider them churned and you can do this with the rfm you can do this type of calculations and and when they see this type of uh, of data they are uh, they, they are they are waking up to to you know what and next week is going to be another 21000 customers if you don't do anything <laughs> and, and when when you you balance the fact that hey you've just acquired 18000 customers 18000 new customers and you've paid whatever to acquire them. If you look at your advertising spend, it, it, when you see this balance that is going down, then they, they, they start moving things. And it, it, it's all a matter of uh, showing and translating to the leaders what the data uh, says, because I, I take this uh, uh, on my end as well. I'm a data geek. So if you if you look, if you give me four hours to look at the data you lost me. So I'm there. I'm looking at this by that, this by the other. I'm slicing the data. I'm whatever. It's it's inspiring. It's like for me, it's giving me energy to get lost into data. But uh, it took me years to realize that no, not everyone is like me. You know, there are a lot of leaders which are. They just give me 40 seconds to look at what's going on, and then I'll make a decision because it's this fast-paced uh, environment.
1: Yeah. 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 Do, you just, you just like inspired a thought for me. Um, what the, the mental model for what marketing is, is actually flawed. It's fundamentally flawed. Um, and it's something that I've like pushed on for 15 years and I don't know, I'm just kind of like me screaming into an echo chamber. Sometimes people, <laughs> think, but, <laughs> but, um, we, we, like, I want to shift the the whole mental model and the way that we think about things in marketing, because marketing is like the model that exists for most marketers is, okay, we're trying to acquire a customer, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna make, we're gonna have, you know, all these different marketing channels and, and we're gonna cobble that together to get them to that first purchase. And then we wanna make sure that our unit economics are good enough that when they make that first purchase, it's profitable. Yeah. I wanna challenge everybody who's listening to shift that um, dynamic. Like we're not getting, we shouldn't be getting a customer to buy a product we as a business should be buying a customer with the first purchase. Yeah, And if you think about the implications of that, it's very different, right? Because you're shifting that model on, and this, this is your whole thing that you talk about, right? Is like, we need to think about, you know, not just the whole customer journey and like retention and, you know, second, third, fourth purchases. It changes the way we think about acquisition in the first place. So when we, when we flip that script, there's a lot of interesting things that we end up doing because we're trying to develop um, this long-term customer relationship, and that's the focus of what we're doing, then the way that we approach marketing is different. Um, because we're looking for different segments of customers um, as opposed to the one-off purchaser or the kind of tire kicker people that we're getting with a lot of you know junk traffic. We're looking for like specific segments, specific attributes of the customer. You know, you guys do a great job at like pulling a lot of those attributes out and tying that to lifetime value, which is super important. Um, But also there's this aspect of, we're talking about the quantitative data, but most marketers are pretty solid with quantitative data. It's a huge part of what their role is on a day-to-day basis, whether it's, you know, the ad platform or analytics, or, you know, they they can slice and dice data pretty well from a quantitative perspective. What they're missing is the qualitative perspective. That's what fills the gaps, right? So gathering additional information. So in e-commerce specifically, Gathering additional information from customers at the point of source on the website is a great way to enrich those insights because we're not just getting, you know, attributes like age and demographic and income and, you know, whatever thing that you think is important to collect. Um, What we're getting is like the why behind their purchasing. What are their buying criteria? Um, You know, who do they perceive as a customer as, your direct and substitute competitors. These are things you can't get with quantitative data. So you have to blend the two things together. The quantitative is super important and there's a lot of amazing tools that can give you really cool insights. The qualitative is what actually has a bigger impact on most marketers because they're less comfortable with it. They know less about how to activate those insights. So when they see them, it's just like this huge light bulb moment of like, oh, that's why they buy. Um, it's so powerful to understand why customers buy and why they don't buy. And very few marketers actually can answer that question. If I sit a thousand of them in a room, none of them confidently answer that question. None of them. So it's it's, it's a big game changer.
0: Yeah, it's uh, uh, there are a few of them that know that because we have the uh, a whole chapter in the CVO Academy exactly for this. <laughs> so, so basically, the, the students of the CVO Academy surely know this. There's, a, there's an incredible way to blend the data. So basically there are three acronyms that uh, help you out. One is the JTBD, jobs to be done. Another one is the NPS, net promoter score. And the other one is RFM, recency, frequency, and the monetary model, yeah? So if you are a retailer and you use those three things, it's going to blend beautifully the qualitative with the quantitative data. When we've done this uh, first research, I was with my head of data and we were looking at, uh, at the results from the qualitative research, and he stated something like, oh, man, so I wasted three weeks of my time with all these models, and I've <laughs> learned in half an hour way more <laughs> about this business by looking at what the what the best customers actually stated, yeah? Because it's it, it, it's so beautiful to, to not to hypothesize in your head, oh, they are buying uh, shoes because of X, Y, and Z, and you look at, all these models. And I think there is a trap for companies to dig so much into the data without asking very simple questions. You know, okay, not very simple because you need, ha- you need to know how to craft those questions to extract yes. the, the, the truth. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, methodology to do this type of, uh, of customer research. And I think there are many companies which are pushing the advertising pedal nowadays let's improve that the other let's add other channels let's spend differently. although the, 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 the leaders of the companies are waking up that you know what what have we done with this uh, acquisition budget? and uh, there are the, the the other side of the coin is that uh, advertising works only if the marketing is there and marketing is pretty much, around the market, right? So you need to know how the market works, which customer is part of that market. So if you don't do the customer research and you push the advertising pedal, you will be relying on some creative agencies or some messaging that is being crafted by some whatever uh, advertisers that might might uh, hit the nail or not for, for your company. So I, I guess one, uh, one crucial aspect is indeed to blend quality, qualitative with the quantitative data when you make decisions it, and uh, yeah it's it's amazing how much they are wasting on ads man so if you if you look at this oh don't get me started so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's enough to keep you up at night right <laughs> so um you you mentioned you mentioned something about um like how do we ask questions get valuable qualitative insights. And I think this is a big roadblock for a lot of marketers because it's, you know, it's it's not a stated role. Like when you're hired as a marketing manager in-house in a business, even if you're hired in an agency, there is no line in the job description that I've ever seen that talks about marketing customer research. That's (laughs) odd, right? That's odd. That's Just a flaw in the industry, right? It's so silly. It drives me insane. But it just doesn't exist right so it's not a necessary it's not a required or mandatory skill to be able to sit in that role which is just wrong it's just wrong so because of that it's not an area of focus it's not a an area of like personal development or skills building that exists so the, one of these big roadblocks that we see and obviously like i'm like i've dedicated my life to like <laughs> research and helping businesses grow based on it but because we've seen these challenges we do want to simplify like How do we get the the minimum effective dose to high quality um, qualitative insights directly from customers so i'm going to walk through a couple examples people like if you're listening to this right now you can actually just copy and paste the exact thing that i'm saying Um, and i'll tell you exactly how to capture these qualitative insights to get really cool ideas for how you optimize so um, the first one of the most fascinating uh, something that just blows the mind of every team that we've ever worked with is exit intent polling so exit intent polling is you have a visitor on your site they came from whatever channel as they're abandoning the site we're going to pop a poll and that exit intent poll we want an open question format when we ask them in an open question format it doesn't skew the data if we give them four options if you're like why are you abandoning because of price product quality etc cetera, etc cetera. you give them a couple of check boxes they're going to click the check boxes and we're going to totally skew the data it'd be better to have no qualitative data than to assume that qualitative data exists and make strategic decisions off of it that mislead us and take us off track. That's very dangerous, right? So open question format, what we're gonna specifically ask them is what, if anything, prevented you from X today, like purchasing today, like whatever the action item or the conversion um, action we're trying to get them to take. And that's very specifically like what, if anything, because a lot of times if you just say, what prevented you from purchasing today? They go, I'm not ready. Like, I didn't feel like it. Those, those aren't valid responses. They're, those are not like um, important responses. Um, what if anything prevented you from X today? Um, that focuses on us on like why they're actually abandoning today versus you know, delaying decision, et cetera, et cetera, right? So like um, what we found is that universally, universally, there are three to seven primary reasons for abandonment. And we can take guesses at that and we can have our assumptions, but again, we're seeing it from like a marketing perspective. We're seeing it from our business perspective and we know way more than customers do. So like actually capturing the voice of customer, hearing them articulate their pain points and their problems and their questions and their objections is really, really powerful because we can categorize those into, you know, buckets of things that we need to optimize against. But also some of the cool things that we've done is like we've pulled exact quotes that we've used for copy, that we've translated into FAQ sections that exist on category pages or product pages or that we apply into the checkout. Um, We can overcome specific objections with that voice of customer. So it's kind of like a sneaky, we were talking about copywriting before this. It's kind of a sneaky way um, and a powerful way to really make sure that we're harnessing voice of customers. And once we know what those forms of abandonment are, we can get super targeted on here are the problems we're trying to solve. These are the conversion roadblocks instead of just, again, trying to optimize everything or just like scattering a bunch of random tests everywhere. um, It's, it's a much, a much better approach.
0: Yeah. I, um, I, I've said this multiple times that if you don't know what copy to write, ask your customers and then simply let them write a copy for you because they will do a way better job than you will. As marketers, Yeah, we, we tend to overcomplicate things. and we, we, we don't use what we already have at our disposal. So one interesting
1: test that we just ran recently for an e-commerce business, um, they're in like the women's fashion, like vertical on um, like high quality, like luxury product items, um, really fascinating test. We took, um, we took the control experience where they didn't have reviews um, in the, the checkout flow. We, we added um, one testimonial that we thought was the perfect testimonial. It was like, if you were a copywriter, it would be the absolute best thing you could possibly write as a copywriter. I would pay this copywriter so much money to write this testimonial. Obviously that's not ethical. We don't do that, but I'm just saying that's how good of a testimonial it was. We had a second testimonial. So like um, second variation of this test and it actually had like grammatical errors in it. And believe (laughs) it or not, the The test results for the first, you know, testimonial A, completely flat. Nobody cares. The results for testimonial B, um, increased conversions. Um, I don't remember the exact number. It might have been like 6 or 7% or something. I might have to go look up the numbers. But um, huge lift in conversions. And our hypothesis around that is like people are so skeptical of marketers. People are so skeptical in general. Like over the last five years, skepticism has increased exponentially because of Economic factors, political factors, all these things. So, like, I think, like, what we think is like that seems super authentic and real, and you're actually getting uh, the perspective of another customer, and like, that's compelling versus just slamming up a bunch of reviews. Really interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, uh, I think it's, uh, it's always important to, 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 let's say, forget about your assumptions and to, to, to go out there and test. We. We also had some aha moments pretty recently when we finished our jobs to be done uh, research around why our students are, uh, are getting enrolled in our CVO Academy. And it, it was the opposite of our assumptions. You know, I mean, we thought initially that people want to, want to level up in their uh, career ladder, they want to become better, they want whatever. So the, 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 the results, after validating because basically and and i think this is important for everyone to know so jobs to be done is not like a quantitative research it's it's an in-depth research where you are extracting the struggles yeah what made the customer so frustrated that he said that's it i'm buying this thing you know i'm gonna fix this and then you have to use those jobs to be done and to come up with the statistical uh, uh, significance on them so uh, we originally thought that that's the reason why people want to grow. They want to learn. They want to become better. After the and that was one of the jobs to be done. But the main job to be done, guess what? Was uh, agency owners and agency players within the agency uh, agencies that were losing their customers due to the fact that email was not enough, PPC was not enough, their CRO process was not enough. So basically, they they were. The struggle to lose customers or not to close more deals into this bloodbath economic environment led them to to, to level up. So that that was again a, 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 an aha moment for us that not to rely on our assumptions, you know, to 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 to, to, to simply verify, you know, to 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 verify it, to back it up with uh, with data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that we promised some case studies and examples. I'm going to give some yeah. more. Um, it looks like, are you wearing like a wearable tech like ring?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. or a ring. Okay, yeah.
1: okay so um, I, we had a client, um, they're not a current client anymore, but it was a couple of years ago, and it was like a wearable, you know, or a ring. Um, yeah. So what was really interesting, like we have this insight from doing research from the last couple of years, and it's it's one of the coolest like breakthrough ideas that I have found that is like transformed the way we approach um you know like analytics research and experimentation it's yeah. if you look across the customer journey you can take insights from any part of the customer journey and you can apply those research insights to any other part of the customer journey and that's not how people think about things right so like I'll give you an example so for for like wearable tech, right? So we're assuming, the business is assuming, okay, we're trying to scale, um, we're trying to acquire the perfect customers for us. What they thought that wearable ring was for is like athletes and people that want to perform well and like people lifting weights or, you know, runners who wanna monitor their heart rate and like, you know, other like biometric things. So all of their targeting is based on like optimizing for that customer segment. Um, what we found with the post-purchase data from scraping that, what we found with running post-purchase surveys, which is just critically important for any e-commerce yeah. business and what you're looking for is not, how did you hear about us? That's nonsense. <laughs> that is not actionable insights. So, like we actually had a separate client. Um, I think they had over 40,000 respondents to how did you hear about us? And I'm like, you guys are leaving gold on the table. You should be rotating monthly through different post-purchase survey questions. So you're piecing together different parts of the customer journey, right? So we wanna know motivation and competitive factors and buying criteria and, you know, um, like product quality and like- Firing
0: criteria. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So all of those are different things we want to collect, right? So for this particular like business, we're we're collecting like, what is your use case for this? What is the reason that you actually purchased this? Because they've already purchased. So we're asking them after they've purchased to look back on their journey about why they purchased. So we're expecting like, I want to optimize my lifting and like, I want to run a three hour marathon and all this stuff. Nothing to do with that whatsoever. We found out that like, actually one of the biggest, most important customer segments, um, were not people in the gym. It was actually like, um, uh, weight loss specifically. And it was also like a customer segment of like, um, women who had like recently given birth and they're trying to like, get their, you know, get their weight back on track, get their like nutrition locked in. They're worried about sleeping because obviously if you've ever had a kid, um, you know, they're going to keep you up all night. So to, totally unlocked this different customer segment that the marketing team was not thinking about in any way. So they were able to, you know, create new email flows that targeted that specific content. So they are capturing first party data and saying, which segment are you in? Now we have customized email flows. Now we are unlocking totally new ad copy in, in Google. Then we're unlocking totally new ad creative in Facebook. That's targeting this new customer segment. And that just unlocked, you know, that was an extra 20 plus percent, um, Revenue growth just from isolating that additional customer segment that they weren't targeting at all
0: yeah that's, uh, that, that's amazing and yeah I, I, keep, on, uh, I keep on hearing this, uh, these stories which are which are so real you know because the, 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 the beauty of going after the, the, the website and to identify what's going on in the heads of, of your customers is so under, um, underappreciated. At, uh, at this moment i want to i want to ask you something jeremy which is regarding the future so you know me you know that i'm completely obsessed about migrating from optimizing only the website to optimizing the entire customer journey it's so simple you know it, it's it, it's clear that we are going to live an age in the future where companies will optimize the entire customer journey and they will not have this narrow minded approach we will have optimizers for the email for the social media for the website and so on so those things must be uh, unified at some at some moment i want to ask you how do you see the future unfolding in this uh, this direction because you're coming from you're in poor position basically you are you have this optimization mindset you are you have been optimizing the website and you've already uh, bro- broke the boundaries of the website because you are doing other stuff than on the website itself. How do you see the, folder, the, the, the future unfolding when it comes to, uh, to this, uh, this aspect?
1: Yeah, great question. So if I had like an ideal future state, um, like I said before, the, the business silos and the agency silos um, block a lot of the progress of, of what the two of us would like to see in the industry, right? So I I honestly think the only way we're gonna break through all of these issues, take that more holistic approach, make sure we're optimizing the entire customer journey is if companies build dedicated cross-functional growth teams. Um, Every function in a business is going to play its part, right? Like product sales, marketing, customer service, et cetera. Um, If we don't build cross-functional growth teams that have the 14 like needed skills to be able to drive growth and optimize the full customer journey, then there are going to be gaps. We're gonna continue to see the the fragmented customer journey. We're gonna continue to see that insights aren't being shared across um, different functions of the business and different agencies. So I think that's the only way we're actually gonna like break through and make progress on this um, because that creates this dynamic. It creates an environment where People can step out of the day to day, and you know, to use this like cheesy example, they can they can work on the business instead of in the business, right? So when we're tackling these huge growth initiatives, it's like if you're a paid search marketer, you're not going to spend you know ten hours a week focusing on retention. Probably you're not gonna you're not gonna look at like different ways that we can research like post purchase and optimize that journey. So I, I really think the only path to success is we have dedicated cross-functional growth teams in every single business um, or at least every growth stage business. And they're going to be able to tackle some of these initiatives that are typically not assigned within roles or teams that already exist. So that's what I think. I, mean, I think you, And that's what we do at Conversion Advocates, right? Like that's our entire purpose as a consulting firm is like, we step in and integrate with teams and serve as that cross-functional growth team. But you know, we're only one business, you know, so we can have you know dozens of clients, but we can't have thousands of clients. Right. And that's the level of, of change we need to see in the industry. So we're trying to piece together, like, here's how you build those teams. Um, here are the processes. Here are the frameworks. Um, here are all the research methods and exactly how we do them. Like, here is how you, from an analytics BI perspective, here's what you're looking for specifically. So like all of this needs to be templated and that's what we work on every day. It's my life's passion. It's my life's work. It's what I'm trying to push over the next 20 years, you know, to your point. So I think all the technology exists. I think what doesn't exist is the right team structure, the right processes, the right frameworks, the right workflows the the silly boring things that nobody wants to deal with are the most important things that are going to help us break out of these really bad habits in the industry
0: yeah in, uh, and and uh, the a, a, as you've said it's all it's all coming from the leadership team because building uh, uh, cross functional growth teams requires uh, uh, an inspired leader that uh, decides you know what no more let's let's get rid of the separate reporting where and by the way, there are so, so, con- so many conflicting KPIs. You know, one team, if one team is reaching their KPIs, it's harming another team's KPIs because those are not unified. They are not beginning with the North Star metric and then disseminated throughout the, the, the other departments. And as you've said, it takes an inspired the leadership team to, to, to build this type of cross-functional growth teams. What we've seen is that, and, and that was another aha that we've had, when we initially built OmniConvert Reveal, it was to help companies to segment their customers in order to increase customer lifetime value. After a few iterations, after we had a lot of feedback from the market, we've understood that the main benefit was the internal alignment, because you can see that you you have these reports throughout the entire company and you can see how uh, the wh- what's the performance when it comes to to the customer because the the ceo gets his intel usually from his leadership team which they get this from their managers for for larger companies but there's no shortcut between the ceo and the customers however when you have a solution that it's bypassing all this reporting and you can see nps by role category location whatever brand you know you can you can get this type of insights and you have those beautiful uh alerts about things that are, are going on you know you're you have a drop in the nps in miami you can you can go over there and you can see it so that's the 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 uh, the, the beauty of having this integrated uh integrated approach you have uh an informed leadership team you have internal alignment and you have performance because you can build cross-functional teams otherwise they are always fighting and and having these uh, fight, internal fights and in politics. Like uh, we want to achieve that, yeah, but this is going to do the other. And uh, I, I I think that's that's the future indeed. Uh, Jeremy, I wanna I wanna touch on uh, another uh, subject, which is uh, this type of uh, uh, cross-channel insights. We have companies which are selling online, bricks and mortar. We are all aware that the direct to consumer dream is not such a wet dream anymore because there are, uh, <laughs> if, if you don't have the many channels to support uh, your online channel, it's pretty much a jungle out there. So how do you see this happening? How, how, how can you leverage and how, how can you collect and then leverage cross-channel insights in order to, 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 to improve the, the, the customer lifetime value and having a an unified customer experience? How do you, how do you see this?
1: Yeah, great question. So this is a big thing that we focus on. And like you talked about alignment and executive teams, we do that with clients. A lot of times it's that organizational change component is like one of the biggest value adds that we have like as a consulting firm. Um, If we're talking about like this cross channel concept, this is something we've been working on um, really intensely in 2022. Uh, the first step is just the desire to even pursue this at all (laughs) because it's, it's, it's usually not at the top of the list, but um, there's two, there's two components of this. There's pulling in all of the data across channels and synthesizing that into um, a term that I've been using for many years, a hub of insights. So a hub Mm -hmm. of insights is really important. So we're pulling highest performing and channel data from um, Google. We're pulling like, insights about creative testing from Facebook. We're looking at specific segments and like optimization that's happening in an email, what content is resonating, um, you know, what gets people to purchase, what gets people back to the site. We're pulling those insights, we're synthesizing that down. Um, On-site, you know, experience, obviously we wanna understand like how they're behaving on the sites, we're packaging together all these research methods. So we need to pull together all of the insights that we have. So we have a complete view um, one of the things that I'm always talking about is we want a 360 degree understanding of customers. Well, you can't get a 360 degree understanding of customers if you have an agency that's only optimizing ad copy in Google. That's not a 360. Degree, that's not a 360 degree view. That's like a that's like a one percent view, right? So, like the intention of what we're doing is we're pulling in all of the insights and then we're synthesizing those into specific hypotheses, and that's super important when we synthesize those in specific hypotheses, now we're taking those and, you know, from an executive team perspective, from a growth team perspective, we're pushing those hypotheses back out across all channels. So we may get insights from Facebook that like specific, you know, design or specific, you know, like does lifestyle kind of photography work better than product images, right? So that that may seem like a silly thing, right? but that can be leveraged across so many other channels, right? So when we get that insight from testing that, then now we can take this and use it across like email and like all the different channels, right? Um, You know, do people care about like product videos on site? Right, so do they care that you can like see the product move around or somebody's putting it on, et cetera, et cetera, right? so when we get that insight that that's really valuable, we can take that and extrapolate that out to like YouTube as a channel or you know, TikTok or whatever. Um, so the insights, we need to synthesize the hypotheses and we need to push them back out to other channels via like specific hypotheses that we can um, run experiments against. So like there's, there's this entire feedback mechanism that has to exist. And once you get that, it's really hard to get that started. But once you yeah. get that feedback loop started, then you see these really cool things. So like recently, like obviously this is what we do for clients, right? So, you know, we'll, I, I get thank you emails from agencies every single week because the research and experimentation work we're doing, we're sharing that through as much as we possibly can. So you have an email agency that gets all of our research and voice of customer and exit intent data and and things yep. like that will then you know tr- you know triple like triple the click through rate you know what i mean if you can actually trip triple your click through rate from email because instead of just throwing a bunch of discount codes and coupons out there you're actually giving them super targeted relevant content that drives them back to the site and like and builds their interest in buying a product that's amazing right if yep. if we can if we can scrape from search data to understand like specific keywords or, or queries or phrases that, um, and we can bucket those into like, this is high motivation customer segment versus low motivation customer segment. Like when we take that data and we, and we break that apart, now we can take those concepts and be like, how would we optimize the on-site experience and copy and market positioning and, and what are our forms of competitive advantages? Um, and how do we tie those specifically to those like high intent, high motivation customer segments? Right. So you can see how we're like passing these insights back and forth um, and it, and it yeah. creates this really powerful experience. Like I'm still trying to figure out like as a concept, how to, much does that add to your growth rate? And it's a pretty wide range right now. But my estimate um, and like, shouldn't quote me on this because we need a much larger sample size. But my estimate is like you can increase growth somewhere between 25 and 40 percent just by putting a growth team in place who is sharing insights across all of your channels. It's super powerful. Um, the results yeah. are insane, <laughs> but people aren't doing it. So.
0: <laughs> I totally agree with you regarding this. Uh, of course, this is varying uh, on how big is the organization. Uh, what I want to add on uh, generating insights cross channel, it's, uh, it's something, uh, that I've, uh, I've discovered on my own, on my own, uh, uh, skin so basically I'm I'm so stubborn and I have this uh, yeah. agenda of always working with at least a customer so I'm pretty hands-on and I'm uh, I always have one customer which is using our solutions to to, to help and uh, what I've discovered is that uh, this uh, uh, this organization had this the marketing team which was uh, from the dogma of uh, IDA model of buyer persona of whatever all that old marketing school which was not so data driven if you ask me so, so a few people in a in a meeting room deciding that the icp is a, a bob and it has 25 years and whatever is not my my style anyway so we had the marketing team which was claiming that this is the icp and uh, on the other end we we were working with their uh, innovation team regarding uh, finding who is their ideal customer profile and The methodology was, if you think about it, it's crazy because their methodology to define the buyer persona was to look into the the, uh, Nielsen research, to look into their Facebook uh, audience, to see their uh, their fans, and to have these uh, statistics around the the age, gender, location, whatever. So uh, what we've done with their uh, innovation team was to simply look at their best customers in terms of What's their behavior? Who are their best customers to, to start with? And we, we of course, we, have, we uh, applied the RFM methodology to see who is buying recently, frequently, and has the highest customer lifetime value. We, we, we realized that something like 18% of their customers were generating 65% of their revenue and 80% of their margin, which was huge, if you think about it. And we've decided, okay, these are the ideal customers. Now let's see who they are if we if we want. And guess what? There was no uh, significant difference, like uh, ladies which were between 45 and whatever. There was no common denominator. What was the common denominator was the uh, perception of the value that they are getting from that brand. So basically, the narrative and the jobs to be done were pretty much the same, but the distribution was differently. And their best customers were customers that bought cross-channel. So that was the uh, another thing that were ha- they had in common. They were buying online, they are buying through Bricks and Mortar, and then they were using the, their app as well. So those kind of ways to use, the, to, 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 you have the, the channels, right? But what do you do with them in order to leverage them? The idea is to understand who are your best customers, and then to improve the entire organization. Because once you know that, you can improve the product assortment, the customer experience, the messaging, marketing, advertising, you name it, everything.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole, there's like five other topics I want to talk to you about, and I know we're not going to have time to do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any other like last questions before we wrap up on this topic?
0: Yeah, so so Jeremy, I I I want to ask you, I wanna put it to, to to a challenge to give me your top three things that the uh, uh companies, the retailers, the e-commerce, the leaders in the retail industry should be fixing uh next next year. So what what would be the first three ones?
1: Okay, top three things in 2023. Um So obviously, like I talked about, like the cross-functional growth team, like that's a big undertaking. I hope that's a trend in the industry. We'll we'll see. Um, I think there's probably going to be like a lot of like supplementing that with, you know, there's not a lot of companies like ours that actually do that, but it's one of the things that is going to accelerate growth um, almost more than anything else. Um, Market research. Market research is so valuable. You can radically improve your, Um, your growth rate, your quarterly growth rate by just putting that in place. So too many companies, too many, uh, too much of the time, just do not understand like how they fit into their vertical effectively. How are they competitive? Um, What's their market positioning? Every company that's ever come to us has been like, can you help us nail our positioning? Can you help us differentiate versus this highly competitive vertical that we're in? If you don't have specific um, answers to those, then, Uh, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to be leaving growth on the table. And I think right now, one of the biggest things is like um, data collection and data management. So, you know, the trend in the industry right now is like, you know, all like people are changing their tech stacks and like, what is, what is the way that they're going to migrate that tech stack to make sure that they're like collecting and managing data effectively. We have all the ad platforms that are just ripping out all the levers that used to exist. So um, there's, it's, it's going to be mandatory. It's going to be table stakes for every business to reassess the way that they're collecting data and, and, and how they're activating that data. And like in 2023, we're going to see a huge migration of like how that's even approached in general, like from a strategy perspective, from a technical perspective, from, you know, like a tool perspective. Um, I think that's going to be really important. Um, and if people if people sleep on that, they're going to have a lot of problems with how competitive everything's getting online.
0: Excellent. Great. So I guess that's, uh, that's a wrap for us uh, today, Jeremy. I, I think we have, uh, we have a lot of uh, other topics to discuss. So uh, this will, this would, will certainly be uh, just the first episode of your presence in the, uh, in, in the CVO live. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights and uh, being present in our lives today and uh, thanks everyone for watching and we'll see each other next week in another tremendous episode all the best from Bucharest everyone
1: thanks Martin